Yo, what is up, guys? Welcome back to Tag Team Pokemon Trading Card Games Premiere Podcasting Duo. My name is Riley Holbert, joined as always by my fantastic friend, Mr. JW Crewall. JW, how's it going today? Going really well, Riley. How are you? I am doing great. I'm doing great, gotta say. No follow up question. What? <laughs> you good? <laughs> Oh, I, yeah, I am good. Sorry, sorry. I just drifted off. In, yeah, in you, you disappeared into ether. Like, I, I did. Got, I kind of said my piece, and I was expecting... Waiting for, like, uh, you know, a reciprocal answer. Okay, yeah, well, not today. Sorry. So what's going on with uh, with your week, man? What's the stitch? Uh, it's been okay. Yeah, things have been happening in the Crewall household. We got a big gaming convention this weekend. That's very fun. If you are... Uh, have played, you know, before the pandemic started, then you'll know that over the last you know few years that we had in-person play, they had the national tournament in, um, in Columbus, Ohio. That's right. And before the national tournament, there's usually a very large gaming convention called Origins, and that historically, at least recently, has happened like the week before nationals, uh, and so. I've played in this convention a few times. They don't have any sanctioned Pokemon tournaments, uh, but it's a board game convention, just generally speaking. So there's going to be a lot of representatives from different board game companies or startups that have a big, you know, they rent out a space in the convention center floor and they try to sell people games. So my wife and I are going to go. We're going to volunteer on Friday. Ooh. And if we volunteer for four hours, then we get free admission Saturday. Oh, so we're wow. going to get our free admission yeah. on Saturday, go hang out, play some games, you know, eat at the North Market and uh, and just have a little little date. That's super cool. Origins is yeah. really fun. I, I miss that from Columbus. <laughs> yeah, it's super fun. If you've never been, you should really consider going sometime in the future. They had to delay it a ton. I think this is probably their third makeup date because it's normally in the summer, right? right. Again. Usually the week before we would have nationals, June, but July. Yeah, exactly. But they've been delaying it a couple of times. So we're just happy that it's all up and running and uh, that we'll be able to participate. And they didn't do it last year either, right? They canceled it completely last year. Yeah. Makes sense. So, but that's exciting. But yeah, we're hoping to get some swag, hoping to get a couple of new games. And are you, you going to compete in any like tournaments? <laughs> I would love to. I need to look on the website and see when the Star Realms tournament is because both my wife and I play and, and it's one of the games that, you know, she just really enjoys and I think would actually be pretty good at a competitive level. Yeah. Um, so that that could be something that we look into. I know that in the past they've done it and I know that in the past they've not only been free, but if you won the tournament, you would get a custom card. Yeah. Someone from Columbus of, has one. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Do you know Philip? So cool. He used to play um maybe yeah maybe i would yeah philip lee brian lee's yeah. other yeah 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 okay yeah yeah i know brian yeah. Lee, so yeah philip yeah okay that's <laughs> has, so cool he has a card yeah maybe i'll get one too who knows <laughs> but uh any plans for you this weekend riley this weekend um it's probably gonna be low-key though not as low-key if you remember i was on call last week so i just kind of hunkered down um Hoping to go on like a hike or something this weekend while the weather is still cool but not cold, like it's cooling mm -hmm. down kind of situation. It is. Yep. Um, you know that's perfect weather to like go out on a trail or something. So I'm hoping to do that. Um, 
and otherwise i i started one piece which was the biggest mistake of my life i'm currently 700 <laughs> chapters in so <laughs> maybe i can get to like eight or nine hundred yeah okay cool cool <laughs> that's great so jw last week we did not talk too much about the meta i think for fair reasons with mm-hmm. pg live being on yeah. on the horizon we that had, is like we had to. that is that is like the biggest thing that's happened to pokemon in 10 years i would say yeah huge so um but there's been a lot that's actually been going on a lot of shifts a lot of craziness a lot of wacky wild decks floating around in the metagame and namely since we last talked about it it seems like there have been some titans that have defined themselves in the format that we didn't really give a ton of attention to before uh those being single striker shifu with umbreon and dragapult with inteleon now we've talked about both of these decks as being present in the metagame or maybe winning individual events uh, but certainly, if you look at any recent large Im- limitless tournament, these are the most popular decks, and by usually a fair margin as well, uh, yep. to the point where I actually was just perusing on limitless, and throughout the entirety of the evolving skies format, they are now the the most popular decks. Which the fact that's that their popularity is so recent speaks to how popular they are relative to the rest of the metagame. So JW, pick out one of those decks and, and tell us a little bit about it. What's the going on there? Sure. So I've actually been playing a ton of single strike Urshifu recently, um, particularly in these online tournaments on the client where, you know, I'm trying to use up my tickets before they all (laughs) expire. But I've been rolling that deck and I've been noticing a few really interesting things about it. The first very interesting thing uh, is that the numbers are almost perfect for the deck. And let me explain. So what has happened in the most recent sets and in these two cards in particular, the, um, uh, the, the Leafeon and Sylveon is that they have a lower than expected amount of HP. So normally we would expect a V Pokemon to have, you know, 210, 220 HP. That's kind of been the norm up until evolving skies, but these two Pokemon, which are major players, you know, certainly in, in the meta, um, have 200 and why is 200 relevant well that is perfect math for umbreon to take a knockout with uh on the umbreon v just this one single strike uh energy or excuse me two single strike energy attached um and then on the v max as well just two single strike energy attached um so it's just very interesting from that like kind of game design perspective that that 10 hp really matters because i don't think that if I don't think that if, if like those, you know, there weren't uh, those Pokemon that had the 200 health that were important and, and viable decks in the metagame that um, single strike would have nearly uh, as good of like a matchup spread because you're not as potent with those basics. You really need to have that, you know, you can reach 220 with the Urshifu and you can reach 200 with the Umbreon and the Umbreon V max and so uh, that's just been interesting i've been finding that a lot i've been finding a lot of opponents playing leafion i'm finding a lot of opponents playing yeah leafion is uh, sylveon lately too yeah exactly and so that has just been one like really curious thing that i just <laughs> noticed where it's like wow this math this 10 hp or 20 hp really matters 
to, oh, yeah. to whether or not I win the game. So uh, I just found that to be found that to be a curiosity. The other, I mean, great thing about the single strike deck is, of course, the um, the ability to go through Zamazenta, right? Mm-hmm. So you have a counter to that, uh, and then you just have really great type coverage in the meta game. I think if you could choose your types, I think dark and fighting are probably the two like you know, premier in terms of hitting for the most weaknesses uh, and not really having too many, you know, problematic weaknesses in return. I guess fighting, you have a lot of psychic, but uh, yeah. that gets covered by the dark. So I think those pair extremely nicely. Yeah, I would agree. The type coverage is really just perfect in the metagame mm-hmm. right now. And you also have the Umbreon's ability to kind of snipe off the evolving Vs on the bench. And what I often find in the single strike matchup, especially if you're playing a VMAX deck, is you're just so threatened, especially if you end up going like second and they yeah. just have an energy on one of their Vs. It's like, well, yeah. now they can just like research and gust me in the same turn, knock out my V, and I'm so far behind. Yeah, absolutely. It's really it's- brutal. Yeah, it's really oppressive, uh, can be at times, and and just the ability to have so much control over the opponent's bench, be it boss or with the Umbreon VMAX is so cool. Absolutely. So one thing that I've seen some commentary on is that, you know, single strike is just a, is a huge pile and it's inconsistent and it's really just the quantity of people that are playing it paired with its type advantages that is causing it to be like so well represented in top cuts and and wins is that a sentiment that you share because i'm looking at just the stats and i'm you know thinking my own experience with the deck and it seems like it's got a good place yeah i mean is it as consistent as as something like i don't know like a leafeon for instance like i would say you know leafeon extremely consistent dragapult like extremely consistent uh no but at the same time, like you said, the the kind of strengths make up for it. Um, and I don't find it to be particularly, uh, I don't go into games, uh, re- or I rarely go into games where um, I have dead starts. I mostly will have really frustrating prizes. <laughs> so there was a series and I posted it in my Discord where I had three tournaments. The first tournament I prized four, all four single strike energy. <laughs> the tournament yeah. after that the tournament after that i prized all four hound hour like not kidding i prized all four hound hour i think i ended up winning that game but uh <laughs> no matter like i prized all four hound hour and then the tournament after that i prized like three single strike energy so i think this deck more than any other one is not necessarily inconsistent but it just has more issues with the prizing um of certain particular cards than really any other deck that i can think of like it's more reliant on you know getting you know three houndoom or two houndoom and having two to four single strike energy in the deck right like it's just it's just really um yeah it's really relying on that and then i see what i find very interesting is i see a lot of players that are kind of cutting down on the evolutions which i i don't know that i necessarily agree with but going down to one single strike urshifu you know talk about maybe you know, making things a little bit harder on yourself. <laughs> I just, I don't know that I necessarily agree yeah, with that. That's actually but... something I was going to comment on too, is we, we've seen a lot of variation in the list. I feel like of all the lists, like all the major archetypes in the metagame, besides maybe Sylveon, which is a given that there's going to be a lot of variation. 
single strike seems to have the most variation in like the counts and quantities of these cards you know you think of like a suicune list and you can get it down to like 58 cards pretty quickly when you when you roll it to suicune Mm -hmm. but with a single strike it's like are they playing how many v maxes are they playing what are their counts of the v's right are they playing any tool removal how many switch cards are they playing yeah yeah yeah. It doesn't and, seem like there's really an agreed upon strategy there. And I'm not sure if that's just because it's metagame dependent or we just simply don't know. Yeah, for sure. I, I think it's definitely a, a deck that you have room to uh, to mess around with, no doubt. So one thing I am passionate about in that deck, you mentioned tool removal. I think that's absolutely necessity in the deck uh, just because it so greatly improves your sweeping matchup to have a jammer or a scrapper in there. Uh, like the difference between a 260 HP and a 210 HP Suicune, like you're talking about 10 HP, uh, imagine 50, <laughs> right? is a huge, huge difference. Like being able to, if a Suicune can tank your hit and not be afraid about the cape being torn off, that's that's tough. Right, for sure. Yeah, so I think you do need to have some kind of tool removal or tool disruption. I personally have been playing with the tool jammer just because I feel like the deck wants to mow through a lot of cards. So you're not really sitting on hands very often. And I, I feel like, like right now. Yeah. I feel like tool scrapper is more of a card that, you know, belongs in an Inteleon build where you can fetch it out when you need it or, you know, some other, you know, maybe a Zashian deck where you're kind of trying to build up these larger hands. Yeah. So I, I like the, uh, I like the, the, the uh, jammer. No, I think that that's, that's good reasoning too, is you can slam it down and keep plowing through your deck without worrying if your opponent has put their tool down already or not. And Jammer can be used in like a reactive way too. I mean, one of my favorite moves in the Pokemon card game is taking off like a HP adding tool, knocking yes. out the Pokemon. After you've done the damage, taking yeah. taking a second knockout. Sure. It like can really mess with your opponent. Sure, because they're expecting to have that bench spot open you know, earlier or later. Like you're just, you're just putting, forcing them into weird positions that they weren't necessarily prepared for. Absolutely. So, I mean, obviously the type coverage is great right now. Is there any decks that you feel like Single Strike just really hates to be against at the moment? Decks that Single Strike really hates to be against. I don't like to play against Rapid Strike Urshifu, and I think that that uh, plays into the popularity of Single Strike Urshifu, is that we've really seen a decline in rapid strike over the last few weeks. I just feel like nobody is really picking up the deck and if they are, they're not doing particularly well for it uh, with it. But I, I think rapid strike is still very good. Like Jolteon is increasing. So rapid strike uh, just obliterates that deck. Like it's (laughs) as close to an auto win, I think as we have in the format right now. Um, And then there is, uh, you know, but, but with that deck, you're going to be able to snipe the Houndours, which is a really big deal um, to kind of limiting the damage potential of the single strike versus food player. Yeah. So, well, when I think of rapid strike, I think there's one thing that really sucks for the rapid strike players. And that's the <laughs> other deck that we're going to talk about, which is that's right. Um, so Dragapult V Dragapult V max has that fighting resistance, of course, weak to dart. So single yeah. strike has actually a pretty decent matchup there. And the spread can really, really tear through these uh, Inteleon engine decks. Um, and Dragapult as well can play with like a thin bench. You can play energy disruption. So some of these other metagame forces can kind of struggle in the matchup. It's, yeah. 
you know, it's just that quintessential, like, I'm going to play the game at my pace. I'm going to bring you down to me <laughs> and I'm going to play my game better than you can play my game. Kind of get that. For, sure. For sure. Yeah. I mean, snipe is always great. We're seeing a real resurgence of just sniping and uh, Dragapult is probably the kind of image bearer for the snipe you know what's right interesting now. about that too is a lot of people have talked about have wanting Mew back in the format and things like that but probably the single largest source of bench damage in the format right now is <laughs> damage Dra- counters dragapult right which wouldn't which wouldn't be affected by Mew. So. right <laughs> it actually might be more of a liability to have Mew because oh, that's, yeah, a, Mew that's a 60 hp pokemon that doesn't evolve right so <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, Dragapult, somewhat of a known quantity. I think the Inteleon engine has been settled on the way to play it for sure. Uh, You do have some flexibility within there with, like, the kinds of techs and items that you play to sort of bolster your Inteleon engine. Um, One thing that has been a subject of debate as a result of Dragapult's popularity is Sobbles. <laughs> mm, true. You know, you have your keep calling 60 HP Sobbles. Obviously has the benefit of if you're going second and manage to attach to it, you can get some more Sobbles into play. And yeah. then you have your 70 HP Sobbles, which don't really do anything, but they have extra 10 hit points. So a Dragapult needs two Zigzagoon Pigs or a Inteleon Snipe to knock it out, right. uh, which is a much taller order than uh, just the one. <laughs> JW, what are your thoughts on the the Sobble debate? Sure. I think there are a number of decks that the 60 HP doesn't make any sense to play in. Um, and those are decks that uh, have, you know, uh, that, that don't have any other, really, that don't have any other Rapid Strike Pokemon in them. So I would say something like a uh, Rapid Strike Urshifu deck should absolutely 100% play the 60 HP Sobbles. But for most of the decks that play Inteleon, Quick, uh, you know, quick calling or, or keep calling. Keep calling is going to be a move that puts you behind. Like you'd rather have that energy attached to something yeah. else. Um, you'd rather be able to build up an attacker um, than try to keep calling. So I don't necessarily love the sixty HP. Just general in general, like if at the point that you're going to attack with the sixty HP, you've probably put yourself in a pretty compromising position. So. I would go 70 HP just because there is a lot of Dragapult out. And it's only a one-card difference, right? We're talking about, you know, one extra Zigzagoon ping or, um, you know, I don't know, one extra turn of attack or or whatever it is. But it's that extra resource, uh, that extra time that you might need to be able to make use of your Inteleon engine. Yeah. And, I mean, for these Inteleon decks, you know, we had the great... Drizzile debacle, I guess you could call it, where people were talking about chaining Drizziles unnecessarily. It's really important that like you have your Sobbles to use at meaningful times because that's yeah. how the decks draw cards. That's how they get their items out of their deck. Um, so keep getting to preserve just one extra Sobble over, I don't know, one out of every two or three games is a difference maker, honestly. Yeah, absolutely. So I think 70 HP would be where I would go. I still think 60 HP is it's, it's fine. Like I understand, like keep calling, like there might be, uh, there might be an actual statistical, um, 
you know, difference, right, between the two. Like, I'd be very interested to see, again, when we get hopefully some, you know, objective deck stuff up and running, if they can see the amount of games that you win if you quick call, <laughs> you know, just just from a from a, an attacking perspective, like, do players... You know, no, I agree. I think ever uh, win or is it is that a winning play? Is that a losing play? Like what what is it? I I think there's like two situations where you're usually quick calling. The first is when you really have like literally nothing else to do and you just have started <laughs> the Savel. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so you quick calling or keep calling. You got me messed up now. <laughs> I know. The the second one is if you kind of got a decent setup but want to spread your board wide and you don't mind losing that attachment for whatever reason. Um, so, I I mean, I'm thinking like in a Suicune deck, you can attach the water energy and then you can Melanie the next turn. Um, yeah, it just, it feels weird, right? Because in, in Teleon decks, like you're, you're most of the time going to be playing a very thick count of the Inteleon line. Like you got four Sobbles, four Drizziles, and then you got four Quick Balls, and then you got four Level Balls for the most part. That's not how every deck sure. is, uh, is constructed. But for the most part, like you should be able to draw into a lot of those pieces sure. that you need. I think need. there are situations, you know, having played a lot of Inteleon decks though, where and I still agree that I think 70 is probably the move for like an average event right now but I do think there are plenty of situations where you know maybe the attachment isn't what matters as much as just having a Sobble on your bench Mm. to evolve you know at least in decks that have some sort of acceleration or don't need two attachments you know like the Suicunes and Jolteons where having the Sobble present is more important than getting a turn one attachment. Sure. Absolutely. Um, so I would still like recommend on average <laughs> having the 70 because I think it does matter in those uh, Dragapult games um, unless you're playing like a Rapid Strike deck. Like if you're playing a Tower of Waters or you're a general Rapid Strike deck, then I think the utility gain from those cards is is worth it. Right. Plus, like, if you're That's... playing Urshifu Inteleon, you're probably struggling against Dragapult no matter what Sobble you're playing. Yeah, very <laughs> true. Very true. Yeah, definitely. You know what's been kind of a surprise or a bummer is Dragapult's typing has been a huge part in his success. Uh, but the other ghost psychic type in Shadow Rider has really, really fallen off. Uh, I think between Umbreon and Path to the Peak, it has struggled to find its footing in the metagame. I mean, do you think there is a place for Shadow Rider still? Shadow Rider feels like it's been pushed out. It just feels like it's, it almost feels like it's too, um, it, it doesn't have any tricks. Yeah. You know, it's too, it's, it's too fair of a deck. It's too, <laughs> n- it's too normie of a deck. <laughs> yeah. If I can say like you're attacking with V maxes. And that's kind of your only strategy. I think for a lot of these decks, um, you know, you're, you may be attacking with a VMAX, but you have some heal to back it up. You know, that would be Jolteon. Like, or um, you're, you're slowing the pace of the game down with Dragapult, you know, and you can put your opponent in compromising positions. Or you're attacking with non-VMAX Pokemon, so the Suicunes or the uh, Single Strike decks right like you have some kind of maybe not as linear strategy but the problem that the shadow rider comes in to is that 
the strategy is just so linear. Everyone knows what you're going to do. There's no real, you know, trick that you can pull out of the pull out of the bag, at least not with the way that lists are built right now. And you're attacking with two big VMAXs to take all your prizes. So it just, you're, you're opening yourself up to, you know, okay, I, you put a VMAX there and like, okay, I'll one shot it. And then I'll one shot your other one. And then we're, we're done or, or two shot or wh- whatever it is. Like the attackers are just being given to you. The VMAXs are just being placed front and center. I think that makes it so, you know, it, it, it's a lot easier to devise a game plan to beat that deck. You know, I would almost dissent on that in that I think the linearity isn't necessarily a problem. It does kind of lack the explosiveness, I guess, where, you know, Shadow Rider really needs to be taking two hit KOs at the worst on turn two, basically, to keep up. And it doesn't really do that. Um, But I think the bigger problem that Shadow Rider has is it has some sort of compromising flaw in pretty much every matchup right like in the jolteon dragapult matchups which is like <laughs> things that in like a fair playing ground might be favorable for shadow rider because of the damage output um path to the peak really gets in the way right um, in the urshifu matchup you know the single striker urshifu you know you're obviously hitting the bear for thousands of damage but the Umbreon just one shots you for very little effort. <laughs> and and then obviously like in the Suicune matchup with Shadow Rider, you have to bench wide. So you're setting yourself up to just be Ludicolo pretty much every game. Right. So it just feels like every of the big decks right now has something that just makes it beat Shadow Rider. Yeah. Intentionally or unintentionally. Right. Yeah. And just the, the high amount of path is just really tough. Like again, Shadow Rider feels like, the kind of deck that's that's almost the the it's just being pushed out by forces that it can't control right it's just a, a product of its environment where it's yeah. like it's set up to succeed but because everything is intentionally or unintentionally playing these hate cards it just kind of has fallen to the background i would agree i would agree so, one other thing yeah. i wanted to make sure we talked about and we talked about this with regards to single strike is tool removal i think it's been a a general topic of this format um would you say that tool removal yay or nay on tool removal in every deck in the format or most decks in the format i i would play it in every deck every deck i would play it in every deck because mostly the the biggest tool that you want to remove i mean air balloon is fine you know that's that's a really good tool that pretty deck plays but uh, the biggest tool that you want to remove is the um the cape of toughness and that, in a lot of scenarios, on Zashians, on Zamazentas, on, um, you know, Suicunes, like, that's going to provide a lot of headaches. Yeah. So. I would agree. Cape of Toughness is, like, an essential component of those deck strategies, usually. I would also say the uh, the Elemental Badge can be pretty relevant, too, on the, mm. the Jolteon. You know, it stops so them true. from being as tricky with Cheryl and stuff. Yeah, so true. So true. Especially, yeah, because they play three, you know, so if they discard one early and they get one down um, or two down, you know, even, uh, and then you're able to tool scrapper, right, in the, in that scenario, like that can be really tough. Or, um, yeah, even if you have the, uh, the, you can force them to commit extra energy if you have the right. tool jammer. Like, so 
you know, you also force them in a situation where maybe they can't Cheryl and get the badge that turn. So they have to like research or Marnie and get the energy instead. So right. they're not healing, which is a big component of that strategy. Right. And then they only play, you know, seven, eight energy. So it's definitely one of the lower counts right now in the game. So yeah, like you said, uh, it's not a guarantee to get that either. And we had touched on this earlier, but across the board, do you have any thoughts for Scrapper versus Jammer? I honestly like Jammer a lot right now in a lot of decks. I agree. I think Jammer's pretty cool. I think for the most part, if I had to make a choice, and it's all deck specific, right? Because I feel like the decks that um, rely on Inteleon, I think are a little more easily able to play the Tool Scrapper. But at the same time, Jammer is the kind of card that you can set and forget, right? You can just play it and then, oh, I have to research. And so I'm not going to, you know, discard my only way to, to get around tools. That's also said, like, there are decks that rely more heavily on Marnie than they may on research, right? So, um, you know, being able to hold that for the late game, your tool scrapper yeah. might be a better option in a deck that's running, you know, less research and or maybe is more reliable. Yeah, or if you have a different tool, or you know, or if you're more reliant on Melanie or Marnie or or another supporter, um, then that would be also where I would consider Tool Scrapper because you want to save like Tool Scrapper is that very time specific, whereas Tool Jammer is a little less so. And so, not discarding the Tool Scrapper early is, is very important. Yeah, for some I think matchups. my general thought is with most V Maxes, I like Jammer. Uh, and most V's, I like Scrapper. Generally. Okay. Okay. I think the only exception is, uh, I think Urshifu Rapid Strike plays better with Jammer or Scrapper. Sure. And I, I think that's largely down to just how they play. Like a lot of the V decks use Cape of Toughness, like we talked about earlier. So they can't afford to attach a Jammer. Um, and they also want to remove opponents' jammers, <laughs> so the scrapper kind of fits into that strategy. Uh, yeah. But most of the Vmaxes don't really even have a tool that they're using, uh, yeah. and a lot of them are, you know, trying to get like a big Vmax in front of your opponent's Pokemon, and they don't care about like removing air balloons and stuff. They just want to uh, turn off the keep of toughness at the right time. Right. Exactly. Yeah. That that's also really relevant. Is what kind of tools are you already playing? Would you rather have, you know, the tool scrapper if you're already trying to play tools of your own? Cool. Cool. Any other things that you wanted to hit on in like the evolution or status of the game? No, I think that's that's pretty pretty much it there. Yeah, we we covered like the decks that are on the rise, which is really um it's interesting, right? Because where do you go from here? I feel like when we started, we were all very much on the decks that were good in the prior format. Mm-hmm. which were Calyrex, Shadow Rider, Calyrex, and then right, Urshifu. Right, yeah. And now we've seen just a complete shift with Evolving Skies into kind of a Dragapult slash single strike metagame. So is there any countering of this meta? Like, do you see this meta evolving? Or do you think we're kind of in a in a light stage where we've we've discovered that those are the best decks you know things like jolteon can hang uh things like leafeon can hang sylveon can hang uh, a few other decks can can be in the mix but do you do you see us evolving past where we are now 
in terms of you know finding a new maybe best one two three decks i think these have kind of solidified themselves as probably the top decks overall uh being the the single strike the dragapult i think suicune is up there still um and then some of the the evolution decks kind of hanging right behind that um that said i think there's there's room maybe to squeeze into individual tournaments, but I think you're going to struggle to find decks that consistently do well against like all three of these, but even just the top two in single strike and Dragapult. Mm. I think you're going to fi- struggle to find decks that kind of cover all those bases because they do such different things. They have such different weaknesses. Um, you know, there's not like a catch all to that. Yeah. Yeah. Now one other deck I do want to bring up, that I was playing today that I had not played before uh, in this format is Sableye, Galarian Weezing, and Teleon. Uh-huh. I really like that deck right now because there's a lot of reliance on abilities, especially to set up. And uh, I think I think it's, it's quite a deck, actually. The Weezing is very oppressive. Um, and then you have the Sableye, the Moltres, the sniping ability of Inteleon to kind of back it up. One of the problems with that deck was that it lacked um, a real good, you know, damage adder, right? <laughs> like it, it just kind of it, it kind of lacked, right? You're only doing poison for for forty in between turns, and that's pretty lackluster on the whole. But now you have Inteleon, you have an attacker that powers itself up in the Moltres, it's for big damage, and you know you have Sableye like you always did. So I really see that deck as a as a pretty big threat, and the ability is insane. I was playing some games with it on the ladder, and and if you're listening to this and it's Thursday, then my newest video is probably out by now um, covering the deck, and it's absurd. I had four different people, you know, in four straight games just concede pretty much after I got the wheezing out because they couldn't evolve into Drizzile. They couldn't, you know, Intrepid Sword. They couldn't play Crobat, or they did play Crobat, but obviously it didn't work. (laughs) Right. it was it was really really oppressive how uh, how much the Galarian wheezing impacted the game. So I'm gonna throw that out there as like kind of a dark horse. I, I think I think that probably is like maybe the biggest dark horse that has a chance against both of those big decks. I don't love the deck. I think it's really reliant on like that first wheezing slowing your opponent down a decent chunk. Yeah. Like my experience with and against the deck is if your opponent's able to like start swigging right away oh for sure then it doesn't yeah. really matter <laughs> yeah. right right no um, that's that's absolutely true that's ab- absolutely true but in the it it pretty much demolishes single strike for the most part right because um, yeah, that because, deck needs the abilities to start swinging in the first place yeah i mean you can you can do it with the single strike urshi right because you can accelerate from the deck but sure. that's not really a but play that's like that's, a one-time deal yeah, for, that's a one-time deal, and it's not very often that that happens. I mean, it, it happens, you know, you can make it happen, but it's not something, as somebody that's played single strike, it's not something that happens, um, you know, I would say a majority of the time for sure. Uh, and then against something like Dragapult, like you have dark attackers, and they really rely on that Inteleon engine, especially the Dragapult decks that are cutting consistency to add in hammers. <laughs> They're really relying on having the Inteleon's hammies, bro. Yep. Yep. So I think that could be a deck that we see a little bit more as kind of like the counter to uh, the top 
two main decks. And then you also take, yeah, I mean, something like a Suicune could be kind of tough, right? Because they can, they're very low maintenance. So just two energy and, and they can start swinging for, for one shots on the, uh, on the wheezing provided the wheezing player has at least one bench Pokemon, but <laughs> usually they do, <laughs> which, which, you know, yeah, exactly. Usually they do. So uh, that could be one of the, the kind of um, Achilles heels of the deck, but I like it. I was playing a little bit with it and I could see it's, potential no i i i think that is a fair concession i uh it also does play kind of like a one prize deck in a way with like big mm-hmm. finishers as opposed to you know just being multi-prize attackers which is cool yeah absolutely awesome well let's jump into our card of the day for today njw i got a banger for you let's hear the, it the card of the day for today lets you do something that is a legendary move amongst our friend group and take a little pixie pie. Ooh. So this card lets you take a look at your opponent's hand, uh-huh. which is a huge, huge dub. And it has uh-huh. an attack, which is absurdly useless. It does one any damage for three energy. And of course, talking about the Greninja V union foot piece let's go <laughs> the bottom right piece <laughs> not the whole v union just the foot piece okay uh, namely because of the ability on it it's just so fun to to take a peek at your opponent's hand every turn yeah it it's like one of those where it doesn't it shouldn't ever really impact the game all that much because at the point that you're getting out of greninja you probably have already either won or lost the game like the trajectory <laughs> right. of the game has already been set or you just but, don't even have a Marnie in your hand. Or- yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. Or you don't have a Marnie. Like, there's no way you can plan around it, you know, plan around what your opponent might have. So, yeah, I agree. That's a, that's a really fun one for today. Yeah. So, in the spirit of E-Unions coming out, I wanted to give praise to one of the V-Union pieces. So, if you happen to have hundreds of packs on TCGO, this is your chance to, to go play them, I guess they're fun i did a little three-part series on each of the v unions and they're a lot of fun to try to get out you know they don't ever really seem like the optimal route to go in a lot of cases like you're right you're never you're <laughs> they're so I hard to find, search too right right especially in standard right in expanded i think they have a lot of potential i really did like zashian v uh v union in expanded because of course the battle compressor of course you have a little bit better access to um you know things like max elixir and then bronzong or or the metal saucers come a little easier in the expanded format with all the draw there so right i i, I did like that a little bit um, more in expanded and then i saw you know andrew was playing a greninja deck and expanded with blastoise which is just <laughs> a very obvious pairing but works real well yeah uh, it all makes sense i was so. for today i was debating either doing Greninja foot or doing the Zashin piece with master blade on it and making a master blader joke. See that? I mean, so you, you, you did it. Yeah. I, I did it anyway. You still I did, did it. I did both. Yeah. <laughs> well, speaking of blades, is it time to get into our sponsor? <laughs> That's right. So JW fun fact about the Pokemon video games is one of the highest value items that you can sell to a shop are, of course, the mushrooms that you can find in the game. So mushrooms mm-hmm. incredibly value valuable in the Pokemon universe. And what mushroom is more important than the one between your legs? 
And lucky for you, we at Tag Team have the solution. (laughs) And that is Manscaped with their new Lawnmower 4.0 allows you to... (laughs) I can see you're just going crazy over there. (laughs) I'm just waiting for you to redeem this ad read. It's good. (laughs) Keep it going. The Lawnmower 4.0. Awesome stuff. Awesome tech. JW and I both have used it, and it is a dream come true. Let me tell you, I have tried using other electric razors for my own personal self-care needs, and they are not as effective, to say the least, um, both in terms of aesthetics and sleekness and usability and in terms of pain that I walked away with that I no longer (laughs) need to experience. Absolutely. 4.0, uh, the Lawnmower 4.0, awesome tech. And if you are interested in checking out Manscaped for yourself, you can do that with the code tag team at checkout. Absolutely. So that's 20% off and free shipping. Seems like a really good deal. Evolve your game, go from your Scyther to your Cleaver. That's right. <laughs> and get get this product. Really, I, I can't uh, can't speak highly of it. Enough. I think it's a really nice, uh, nice product, and uh, thanks so much to Manscaped for sponsoring this cast. Absolutely. Also, check out their uh, their boxers. They're very comfy. True. Very comfy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you've tried them, but <laughs> they're very comfy. Yeah, yeah. No, they 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 have felt comfy. I haven't been able to do laundry recently, so mm. put them in the laundry Unfortunate. first. Unfortunate. I know. True. <laughs> uh, maybe I'll talk about that next week. <laughs> talk about your laundry or talk, talk about, about the, talk about the underwear bro sure 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 yeah so again that's 20 percent off and free shipping with the code tag team at manscaped uh unlock your confidence and always have the right tools for the job with manscaped partners of the podcast great great so let's uh let's move ahead next topic yeah so the next topic kind of relating back to the card of the day is v unions actually so v unions have kind of entered the metagame when when they were first announced i swear people were freaking out that they were going to ruin the game i don't think that happened (laughs) at least not yet not yet not yet there's not really an engine to make it happen yet but what is your initial impressions of the three v unions that we have my initial impression is they're all very much win more cards if that if not they, lose more cards <laughs> yeah the, yeah they are they are i mean in a lot of decks the setup required to get them into play is massive uh and in a lot of decks particularly the mewtwo and the greninja you're gonna have to make a lot of sacrifices to the core of the deck to be able to play them in the first place and then there's no guarantee that you can get them into the discard pile at the right time or <laughs> yeah. that they're not prized when you need them. So there's, you know, very large risk in playing a V union and very little reward. I will say that because of um, just metals kind of easy, easygoing nature and, <laughs> and general free, um, you know, deck slots. Imagine uh, saying that to like a metal type player. <laughs> 10 years ago <laughs> yeah true true uh but just because there's a lot of metal that uh metal decks that you know 
they're very basic in their nature. Um, I think that the Zashian is the arguable best V union just because of what it can be paired with. When we think about maybe Master Blade is probably the best attack on the V unions. I I actually would agree with that as well. Being able to knock out any V max is a huge plus. And then I would say objectively, like in a vacuum, probably the Greninja is the best because 100 Snipe is really, really good, especially, again, with how low uh, HP all of the support Pokemon have right now. Um, So I would say that's number two for me, just because, again, the deck that surrounds it, you have to make a lot of concessions to play the Greninja. Um, And then Mewtwo has been atrocious i i don't think I, that that card is pretty much unplayable and standard might have a might have a spot and expanded but standard format mewtwo is just not where you want to be i i would largely agree i mean i think all three of them don't really have a place in the meta as it stands right now i'll be interested to see if that changes at all with ultra ball entering the format because sure. i think one of the hardest parts about playing these is just searching drawing into the pieces to discard yeah. them in the first place. Um, it's just, you basically can only search them with like familiar bell and great ball and great ball. And that's it. You can't quick ball for them because they're not a basic. You can't evolution incense for them because they're not an evolution. And yeah. so that's basically it. So you have to great ball, hope they're in the top seven or, uh, you know, familiar bell after you've already gotten one into the discard. Right. Yeah. It's, it's a really kind of messed up engine that we have for them. You could play professor Burnett. <laughs> it's just the weeniest play of all time. I professor think Professor Burnett has to feel so bad too. If you've ever played a battle compressor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. If you're, if you're, if you've been playing for more than like two years, Right. If you if you've been playing longer than the pandemic has been going on, and you have ever played a battle compressor in your life, and you know the catharsis <laughs> that comes from being able to play, you know, two or three even on the first turn of the game. And by the end, you're one, battle compressor and your battle compressors. <laughs> it's insane, bro. Yeah, it's so good. Yeah, and then Professor Burnett is just such a such a buzzkill. Yeah, I mean, when that card was first revealed, I was like, man, how far are we fallen? absolutely so i you know i just don't think there's like a great way to get those little suckers out i will say they have a really cool animation on tcgo felt like direwolf's last stand you know where (laughs) (laughs) yeah they they wanted to go out they're like maybe this will save us maybe if we finally make a really cool animation (laughs) remember us fondly yeah (laughs) is our our final move you know our our spirit bomb so to speak (laughs) (laughs) so that cracks me up but yeah i I think they're fun to like get into play maybe partially because of the animation um but they don't really offer a ton when they're out there at the moment yeah, you're looking. Yeah, they're they're cool. I think though, um, you know, as we keep going with this mechanic, and you know, we're gonna get some in well, one in evolutions with the Pikachu, and I do hope that they continue to evolve this mechanic. I think what I would like to see is maybe one V union per type. Right. I think that would be a very that you know that would, that would kind of be an homage to the Prism Stars, right? Where we had one per type. You know, they're kind of like your boss. Uh, or, or if you're playing that specific color, 
you were generally going to include that prism star card. So, you know, I, I could see that being somewhat similar, right? And then they give them an engine, maybe a battle compressor, maybe a nerfed battle compressor. I could see maybe a battle. You compressor got the burnout for, already, man. You're, yeah, you're true. Can't be choosers. <laughs> true, true. But <laughs> a battle compressor for two. <laughs> or a battle compressor for only V Union Pokemon that that I think might actually see play. Yeah. So the uh, the interesting thing to me too is, you know, oftentimes we'll see like the very first like promo of a card is usually not the pinnacle of what that archetype kind of is. You know, think back to like Snorlax GX when GXs are first revealed. Mm-hmm. You know, Snorlax. People tried to make that sucker work, but he was really not a phenomenal card. I mean, he did. I don't want to misspeak, but I think he top cut like he a regional. Did. He did top eight a regional. Um, was it top eight? Wow. Okay. I, think, that, I, th- I was thinking top 32. But I think he top. I think the Xerneas deck made top eight. Okay. That could be true. I, I wouldn't be surprised, but I know it like the point being it was played at a regional before yeah you know that arc, and it did that, have uh, its purpose like it did the 210 right. damage you know it had its thing um <laughs> but you know it, it really wasn't like the ultimate form of a gx you know oh for sure not. so i wouldn't be surprised if down the road we get a v union and it makes these ones that we've seen look kind of silly in comparison hope that happens yeah i i kind of hope it happens too like i would love to to see like an actually solid enough v union where like that is a core component of your strategy yeah because like you said they they you know maybe there were there was a small component of people out there that were you know kind of saying oh this is you know it doesn't look good and it's kind of awkward to play and like yeah that's that's true and uh but i think after playing with these first initial ones i don't think they would ruin the game even if they had some support yeah so you know i'm excited to to see what it looks like in the end uh you know I definitely want to just keep playing them, at least messing around with them <laughs> because they're fun to mess around with. If oh, nothing sure. else. And they are for satisfying sure. when you get like their ultimate attack off and win a game with it. Yeah. No doubt. Cool. So, I mean, I, those are the main things we wanted to hit on today. JW, do you have any nuggets of wisdom to leave to our <laughs> listeners? Do I have any nuggets of wisdom? Uh, well, first is to go to manscaped.com and use the code tag team, buy something, help us out a lot. We don't really ask for much on the podcast, but we're getting very, we're getting dangerously close to a point where the podcast is actually going to cost us money. <laughs> so <laughs> to produce, you guys are, you have such good listenership that, uh, that we're getting dangerously close to a threshold on the <laughs> amount of times that can, that it can be streamed. The podcast can be streamed before we have to pay our service to host our podcast. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we don't ask for money, you know, very often, uh, you know, but if, if this would be a product that you're in need of, you know, consider uh, the other nugget of wisdom that I would say uh, for players is that there is an overwhelming number of deck choices and I cannot, I cannot um, recommend more. Just getting one deck uh, that you just grinded into the ground and know all the matchups inside and out, and then kind of expand from there. But I think what can happen, especially with maybe a newer player, I was this player, I still am this player to an extent. Is like I'll see something win, 
you're and then I'll go player. I know, you know, I'll go to that deck or I'll yeah. go to like the the exact counter to that deck or I'll try to fit in a bunch of weird stuff into my deck to try to counter the top deck like that. That's me. I'm always like a very reactionary person as opposed to just saying, um, you know, OK, I have this deck like I'm going to stick with it and just know the strategies inside and out. Um, to be able to try to counter, you know, anything. There, it's just so wide of a metagame that I would really uh, suggest, especially for younger players, newer players, to take a deep dive into one specific deck and then kind of like work your way out from there. Know the matchups inside and out. Know what the meta needs to look like for you to succeed. Know the matchups you would need to hit to go deep in a tournament. And then if, you know, you you realize, oh, hey, the metagame is not looking very good for for the deck that I put all this time into, then you know, then branch out, but don't be kind of chasing around. Like I, again, I always tend to do that, like chase around to the new hottest thing or the counter to the new hottest thing. And I think that gets me in trouble more often than not. Start with Suicune, make Suicune that deck. Suicune. Yeah. Suicune is a great one for sure. <laughs> for sure. Anything yeah, think, for you, Riley? I think my negative wisdom would be make that deck Suicune. <laughs> it's a great deck to not only in the metagame in general, it's great to practice sequencing. It's straightforward and strategy. Um, it has a lot of nuance to it. And it's really fun and powerful. I would say play tool removal. I would also say uh, don't run with scissors. Because if you trip and fall, you'll hurt yourself. Really smart. I know. I know. And don't take scissors down there. Get one from, get a lawnmower 4.0 from Manscaped. Good app. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent episode, JW. Always a pleasure talking to you. If you all enjoyed the episode or if you just made it to minute 54 and you hated it, then please rate and review so that way we can get that feedback on your favorite podcasting platforms. And be sure to check us out on all of our social media platforms. We're on Twitter, Smiles with Riles, Real John Walter, and Tag Team Pokemon for myself, JW, and the podcast, respectively. And you can catch us live every single week on twitch.tv slash Munner. And JW does some of the recording himself, as well as some awesome streams of his own. So make sure to check out Flex Daddy Righteous on YouTube and Twitch. Absolutely. Looking forward to plugging in, uh, you know, more with you guys, uh, you know, just interacting more and, and uh, you know, feel free to shoot me DMs or through the uh, podcast um, Twitter. We, we love to hear from you guys. Absolutely. With that, we will catch you all next time. Peace. See ya.